0: Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors.
1: Appreciate everyone's interest. Thank you for turning up today. Last week's trading announcement captured a difficult and disappointing period in, in FY21 for Acrol. Um, we've seen very tough trading conditions especially in respect of costs. Um, distribution raw materials have seen increases that have been very considerable, well documented elsewhere, but we'll get into the details of uh, what has confronted us um, as we go through the through the pages. What, what we saw in late autumn particularly was a sudden spike in <laughs> surcharges relating to the surge in gas prices. Um, this presented significant financial and supply headwinds uh, as we faced into the calendar year-end. Profit shortfall in current year is amplified by the lag between the unexpected and sudden increase in costs and the negotiation imposition of price increases on our customers. Um, But I guess here's the rub, and and to draw a positive from from this disappointing picture, the backdrop is one of quiet quiet and significant confidence. Um, Our price increases are sticking. uh, Our volume increases demonstrate significant customer confidence in us. and customer wins mean the business is overall developing significant growth momentum. Um, we've also seen enormous progress in terms of our operational efficiency. Um, some investment uh, of significance in IT or automation. COVID security is also. Seen- Significant payback. So, so we enter. Um, we acknowledge the the problems that we're faced into um, the difficulties they've presented and the disappointments that's come through. But at the same time, there is a there is a developing confidence about where we sit um, and how quickly we can return to normal levels of profitability. I'll hand over to Gareth. Uh,
2: thanks, Dan. Um, just to give you a little bit of colour on some of the words that Dan started with. Just to give you an understanding of price increases that have occurred in the last number of months, I've been working in the industry for over 20 years, and I've only ever seen these sort of levels of increases once before, uh, probably about 15 years ago. And it was the speed of these increases that was unprecedented. So we've seen around £50 million worth of increases in a very short period of time, of which we've already recovered just over 40. We'll give you more of a flavour of that um, in due course. But actually, since um, uh, the the half year end in October, we've seen continued uh, market conditions improving month on month since our H1 numbers. And that is a result of people returning back to the discounters, the Aldis and Liddles. The footfall in all of these stores is now back to pre-pandemic levels. Despite the challenges that we've had during the pandemic, our service levels have remained very resilient. We've been delivering to our customers in the, in the high 90 percentage point uh, on OTIF, and 98 percent has been a consistent number throughout this period. Clearly, that's come at some cost with the logistics challenges in the U.K, but the service levels to our retailers has been excellent throughout. And we've also integrated two businesses, LTC and John Dale have gone incredibly well, and we're very proud of both of those businesses, and we'll give you more of a flavor on John Dale in due course. And we've also opened up new product categories and new sales channels. And again, we'll give you more of a flavour about that in a moment. On the market share data, the UK saw a a 1% decline in tissue usage over the last 12 months. And that really was driven, uh, when you look in the detail, was driven around facial tissue. And because of our mask wearing uh, throughout the UK, actually what that's done is actually reduced down the amount of coals the UK has had uh, compared to previous years, and that's that's driven uh, tissue of volume decline as generally. But what we have seen uh, in the last number of months is the private label market share continued to decline. It's now back to 50 with brands. What was clear during the during the pandemic uh, and, and when people were working from home is the level of uh, of online shopping um, uh, was significant, and Tesco's and Sainsbury's were the big winners there. Uh, that's certainly now uh, starting to decline and you'll see our quarter 1 volumes compared to quarter 2 uh, we've seen a, a, a 17% increase in our volumes as the footfall has returned back to the discounters uh, i'll pass over to richard now who will give you a flavour of the uh, the financial numbers
3: okay good afternoon everybody um so the financial headlines here it's worth just pointing out that uh, Half year 22 includes the acquisitions of Leicester Tissue Company, which we acquired in November 20 and John Dale, which we acquired in April 21. So neither of those businesses are in the comparative period of half year 21. So the headline level revenues were up 18 percent. As you will have seen on the on the previous slide, underlying pre-acquisition revenues were marginally down, which reflected the weaker quarter one performance. We're I'm still impacted significantly by the pandemic and footfall on the high street. Then a very strong recovery in quarter two as that footfall returned. Margins half year on half year was marginally ahead, albeit our margins are lower than our exit rate out of full year 21, and that really reflects some of the cost increases that we started to see through the first half of the year. And I'll talk a little bit about how we're going about recovering those. Adjusted EBITDA, £5 million, uh, falling down to adjusted profit before tax, which obviously includes the larger depreciation cost of the uh, bigger asset base post-acquisition. Net debt, £21 million, so operating very comfortably within our facilities and within our covenants, and that was after paying a dividend in, in September. Just a little bit more of a breakdown on this slide around, The profit bridge, the EBITDA profit, Uh, it's really just trying to uh, disaggregate the business. What you can see, by far the biggest bar in the middle there is the impact of costs in the half one. Two real impacts there. One was the increasing cost of tissue coming through, which is about half of that uh, increase in costs. And secondly, what we saw was significant rises in distribution costs largely driven by haulage availability which was a which was a nationwide uh, uh, impact uh, and we weren't immune from that. What we started to do in half one was we implemented our first price increase of the year, so you can see pricing benefits starting to come through. We pushed that through in September time, that was a high single digit price increase that we pushed through all of our customers. From a cash flow perspective, there's a little bit of a breakdown of our operating cash flow on the right hand side. Working capital, we had an outflow of working capital in the first half, which was largely around a movement in our payables linked to the amount of stock that we bought in at the end of the financial year to protect service. Uh, Below these operating cash flows, so capex in the period, the half year was three and a half million most of that was spent on uh, automation the last pieces of automation in our Blackburn facility and we'll talk a bit about uh, the future plans for capex in a, in a few slides time and as i said we also paid a uh, dividend in the period perhaps most importantly on this slide just kind of give you a sense of the scale of the headwinds that we've been facing into just to give a bit of context this is the Cumulative or the the annualized impact of all the cost increases that we've been seeing since the end of our last financial year. So, total annualized costs, at least 45 million to 50 million of cost impacts. By far, the largest element of that is is tissue prices, which have been up almost 40%. In addition to that, wherever you look, I've already talked about haulage costs being higher, energy costs have been higher, shipping containers. All of our tissue gets uh, shipped in, either from the Middle East or or out of Europe, Uh, so shipping costs have been considerably higher. And the other raw materials, including uh, cardboard, chemicals in film, all of these have suffered significant price increases or cost increases to us. So our response to that has been significant pricing actions. I've already said we took our first increase last September, and then more recently, We've pushed to our second price increase, which is a high teen percentage increase. So cumulatively, we're delivering price increases significantly over 20%, and we're delivering those across the entirety of our customer base. On top of that, we're looking internally, continually looking at ways that we can become more efficient through automation, through managing our product mix, and through day-to-day efficiency programs in our manufacturing sites just pass you back uh, to Gareth now just to talk a little bit about uh, the commercial side of the business.
2: So, uh, despite all these external challenges, we've been working incredibly hard across our customer base. We've developed the relationships significantly across a large number of retailers, with particular further growth with, with Aldi and with Morrisons. We also learned a great deal with LTC and their focus on tertiary brands, and we've simplified our range. And the Magnum Mighty kitchen towel product we've focused upon, and and that is now being rolled out into a large number of Morrison stores, into Poundland, into Wilco's, into Iceland, over 33,000 independent stores. And for a very low start, we're already above £20 million worth of sales in this particular product. We've secured a strong position with Sainsbury's on facial tissue products. First time the business has has supplied Sainsbury's in any great note. Uh, We've also opened up uh, the spa business, uh, and we've also moving all of our uh, product from a 50 millimetre core to a 33 millimetre core in Tolerol, and that is a significant development both for our CO2 impact with a significant reduction in lorries on the road but also obviously reducing down the usage of that particular material. Uh, we see branded products and, and tertiary brands as something very important to us. We continue to develop that. We've now got a coherent offering on Amazon, and we're seeing the growth on that the Amazon platform uh, quite significantly. And our Oceans product, which is a B2C innovation, which is uh, plastic-free, has, has been growing over 140% over the last um, six months, which we're very pleased with. And we've also launched Oceans into Morrison's and we're very excited about where we think we can take that particular product. If we then move on to John Dale, we've achieved the fine-to-flush accreditation, which is approved by the water industry for a wet wipe that is truly flushable. We've recently won and secured the Ocado by all the biodegradable uh, wet wipe products. We're in discussion with all of our retailers. It's not a quick process, but we are very excited. And the reaction from all the retailers about our new range of uh, truly flushable wet wipes uh, uh, has, been, has been remarkable from all of them. Um, since the ownership of John Dale, we've seen the business in wet wipe sales grow by 33% uh, the first six months, which we're really pleased with. Um, but we certainly can see uh, in the uh, medium to long term uh, that accelerating significantly. Uh, so we're really pleased about where we've got John Dale business. And also another point as well, we've transformed and strengthened our customer facing sales teams quite significantly and the benefits of that are flowing through one in the price recovery that we've achieved across all the retailers, but also with uh, the increased growth that we're now seeing flowing through. Uh, operationally, something that we are very proud of is, uh, is around our safety record. This is a business that four years ago had a relatively poor safety record. All of our sites now have gone over one year with no loss time accidents in the organisation, which is great to see, and that's a testament to the people we've got in our organisation. We're also, further cost reductions going on in the organisation, we're going to complete the final automation in Leyland, which will be completed by the end of March of this year. There's one final machine to go into Leyland as well, which again will be completed by June of this year. And after that, the the level of of capital that's required in the business ongoing in our tissue business will be around about three million pounds per year. So a relatively modest amount of money. Um, uh, And what we have now got is an organization that that is incredibly well invested um, in many of our sites that we have machines that are less than three years old um, uh, and we're incredibly well positioned as an organization um, to see the, uh, the growth that we're seeing coming through the, the, uh, the UK tissue market. I'll touch just briefly on the ESG. We launched our first report a number of months ago. We will report fully on this at the end of this financial year, the beginning of full year 22. But just a couple of highlights. We've launched uh, company-wide energy teams in all our sites. We've continued to see a marked uh, increase in females in leadership roles in our organisation. We're already doing well as a business in manufacturing. We had just under 16% of our roles were filled by females. We're now up to 18%. And the other area that we are particularly pleased about, we do a lot of work in the local communities our factories reside in, and we're now touching and helping over 2,000 people in the environment that that our sites are located. In, In summary, the market conditions that we are in, the discounters, uh, Aldi, Lidl, Poundland, Home Bargains are, are opening on average one store a week each. The footfall and the growth that we would expect uh, is coming back. We're in an incredibly strong position operationally. We have driven through the the biggest price increases that the industry has seen for a very very long time, on the back of these energy hikes uh, that, we, that we've seen as organisation. We're particularly pleased about that. We've got further price increases planned ahead of cost inflation coming through to us, and the underlying um, fundamentals of the business remain incredibly positive. So we're very pleased with it. I'll, I'll now hand back to Dan, and will give you a, a flavour of the, the strategic uh, review that we've already announced.
1: Um, the, the, to start with the strategic review, I think to underline what it's not, um, before I tell you what it is, it, it's fundamentally not. Um, a lack of management determination to um, fix the business and return it to its normal profitability levels. Uh, There's no kind of surrender or lack of ambition in that front. Um, As Richard touched upon, um, it's no kind of signal of financial weakness either. Um, We have a strong balance sheet, very conservative debt levels, um, the liquidity is closely managed, there's plenty of availability, so there's no financial weakness either. what we are trying to do is engage with our key stakeholders, customers and, and shareholders and understand how the business is best set forward um, for, for uh, the future, particularly around um, our plans for the mill development and what format that should take. So um, we ho- hope to return to the market in, in a number of months with, with more clarity on what that strategic review uh, has output um, and, and we'll keep the market updated as we, as we proceed. I suppose just just to to conclude and then move on to questions, um, I'd like to echo some of the the messages that that came through from last week's statement and this week's, uh, plus what Gareth and Richard have been talking about. Cost and margin management remain very hard work. We are subject to some external volatilities, but the market backdrop, we're firmly convinced, is improving. Private label is beginning to win again, and we are primed as the segment leader in private label. We believe cost pressures have found a top, We've repriced our whole book at this level. We feel very competitive relative to our peers, witnessed that investment programme we talked about, and we hope to build on that position of cost leadership in the coming months and years. There is a time lag inherent in our model. We accept that. We try to adapt and mitigate it. But we're very confident in our ability to price and pass on those costs as gareth talked about there's been a, a very significant price recovery effort across the business um it also speaks to our strengthening market position um again I point you to the the product and channel initiatives that gareth talked about as to how we're how we're moving forward in a very positive footing um, so overall very disappointed as a management team to have missed Um, but it's only stiffened our resolve as we faced into the opportunities created by the the market disruption that we've seen.
0: And we've got a question here, which is what would be the best outcome for you from the strategic review?
1: I I, I think we we move into it with a very open mind. I think as a management team, um, we're we're confident in the business as an independent entity. Um, So um, we're keen to drive forward with our plans on investment and growth. We, we, We believe the business is in a strong fundamental market position and and can return to to the levels of profitability at the at the gross and EBITDA margin that we were previously seeing with the growth that we've seen coming through particularly the discount channel and some of the tertiary brand initiatives we've got going so, so um in, in independence remains uh, an attractive opportunity for for the management team but but we nor do we rule out any other option that also maximizes shareholder value. If we, we're all significant shareholders in the business as well as managers and, and we have a we have a primary eye to maximising value.
0: Tremendous. Thank you very much. And the writer says, I know there's a very logical and public reason for the latest set of price rises, but that doesn't mean your customers, especially the major supermarkets, will accept 100% of another rise so quickly. So what's the plan if anyone refuses to accept it all?
2: Well, so far, all of of the retailers that we deal with uh, have accepted all of the increases that that have come through to us. They, they, what I would say is, is that the the importance of the product that we supply them is 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 high in their in their in their um, retailer experience. We know that the quality of the products that we supply now is is exceptionally um, high compared to the market. Our toilet roll in the the tests that they do is. Softer than the market leader, the mighty uh, kitchen towel product that we now supply uh, outperforms plenty with the tests that they do. Uh, we have a a great range of products that are important to their success. Um, so today we we've not had a problem in passing those. Clearly, it's not an easy process, um, but it's not something that we've that we've struggled to pass the increases on. What is difficult is when the increases happen to you at a particularly short period of time and that's what's been disappointing is that the speed of the increase that have impacted us and we've uh, we've not been able to pass them on as quickly as we would like but the retailers have remained incredibly supportive and understand um, the, the, the very unique nature of um, significant energy costs in a very short period of time.
0: Thank you. And how long does it take to pass a price increase on? How long do you need from experiencing it to passing it on?
2: Well, these are being passed. In normal circumstance, there is a there is a GSCOP agreement with with retailers that that uh, works three months both ways. Um, now, in these in this in this circumstances, we've actually passed them on in about nine weeks. Um, but what we have done as a business is. Uh, what's what's absolutely vital is that we actually pass on the 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 full increases to all of the retailers so we work with them to ensure that that it's done in as timely fashion as possible but normally Scott rules are are three are three months but the retailers have been incredibly supportive over the last um eight weeks in actually
1: speeding that process up i think i think it's worth adding i think there's a recognition retail customers and consumers that that there is a new inflationary environment and and prices are moving. And so we're trying to work with our retailers to help them move price as well um, and, and also deliver more value through to the, the end consumer. So work on, on the substrate, work on the, um, the, the the tensile strength of the kitchen towels, for instance, the, the trying to capture some of that value in the branding. It, it all helps the retailer move price and the customer understand the value that they're, they're buying within the supermarket or discount.
0: Tremendous, thank you. And as the electricity price rise is seen as perhaps temporary, how will you respond to falling prices?
2: I don't know who thinks it's temporary. Um, We don't believe that energy costs will 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 drop dramatically in the in the next number of months. Um, uh, It's not something that 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 we see happening in the short term. And, And I think the 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 consumer. It obviously hasn't quite seen them yet i think when people come out of the their indexation um the cap in april then i think the consumer will obviously will then start to see their up there their energy costs increasing um quite significantly from april onwards so we don't see energy costs dropping dramatically um in the in the in the medium to, to you know the medium to short term anyway
0: Great, thank you. And how are you looking at the uncertainty in the energy market in the time to come, and also looking further at the need for renewable energies?
1: I I, I suppose it's worth saying we we hedge our own energy consumption on our own manufacturing sites. So we're we're largely hedged through to twenty three mid-23 on our own energy consumption. It's the indirect energy consumption that that comes in in the parent reel we buy that we, we we can't hedge we we try and hedge that by buying forward um invariably for six to nine months um on the, on the paper prices but the the producers that we deal with across the board uh, especially in europe facing into such very significant increases that they effectively couldn't wouldn't supply at the agreed prices so that hedge kind of um resulted in the surcharges that uh, unexpectedly hit profitability in the end of late autumn so we'll, we'll we'll maintain those relationships we've got good deep relationships with with our supply base and we can pivot our buying between europe and and the middle east in particular um as each um, as each jurisdiction offers better value um and then the the other significant kind of input cost hedge um, is currency and uh, we, we buy largely in dollars and we, and we hedge out the dollar position again. to
2: six months forward and just just building on dan's comment there about our manufacturing um energy hedge energy for us is 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 two percent of our costs Um, so it's not a significant part of our of our of our business but also as an organization and we'll share this in due course but we've made some significant changes um, in reducing down our energy usage. Uh, you know, we'll announce that in due course in a separate um, ESG document, but but they are double-digit reductions in our energy usage. You know, the, the moving to 33 millimetre core um, tolerable roll uh, will take a significant amount of vehicles off the road. Uh, and then the, the uh, our John Dale business um, have uh, already had, um, solar panels, and we're looking at battery systems to, to, again, reduce down the amount of energy usage and, and using uh, renewables. As an organisation, we're, we're already buying all of our energy um, from renewable sources, uh, 100% of all of our energy comes from, from that route. There's quite a lot of things that we're doing as a business um, that, 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 that are a, a real start on improving our, our carbon footprint and our energy usage as an organisation.
0: Tremendous, thank you. And what's your approach to removing plastic from wipes?
2: Um, well, we 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 already have the the, the, the flushable um, fine to flush product has no plastic in it at all. It's a it's a it's a tissue based product. Um, so we're capable of running that in its entirety in all of our machinery in John Dale. Um, we would welcome the removal of, of plastic from all wipes. We're in, a, we're in a very strong position to take advantage of that. Um, the only area I would be just touch mindful of is that there is a cost impact. So they, 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 the, the flushable wipes do cost more because the material that we're using is more expensive. But I think we're already well positioned as an organization to take advantage of of that marketplace. and The ones that we are selling to the retailers um, are, S- the significant amount that, that we are speaking to them about is about supplying um, uh, truly flushable wipes that are approved by the water industry. Would,
1: would, There's a lot of initiatives to try and take plastic out of packaging as well so we are well set up to uh, and do deliver paper wrapped product. It, it's more the retail supply channel that can't handle that paper wrapped product properly yet but we're working closely with retailers to to try and make that more robust and take more plastic out of the system as a consequence not just on wipes but across the whole product portfolio and
2: and just built beyond, beyond dan's point there about the paper the paper wraps the oceans product is is a plastic free um uh, option that that's directed consumers we've said but it's it's why it's going into morrison's morrison's felt that it was a real step change for the industry and um, so we're, we've, we've got big hopes for how well that will that will progress um, with, with, with retailers. Uh, and we can run paper wraps on all of our machines today. Uh, there's no limitation for doing that. So, again, we're, we're really well positioned to take advantage of that as and when it comes through.
0: Great. Thank you. And how's the mill development going? Have you confirmed a location or started planning on it?
1: Um, I, I think the mill development is part of the strategic review. So, there is a temporary but only tactical pause on the mill development and partly driven by construction costs. We've seen an enormous spike in construction costs. So the quotes we were receiving for the the land and buildings uh, are probably more than 50% higher uh, in the 12 month period. So we think the pause is designed to ride out that spike in construction costs. We think they will will settle back to more normalized levels. Um, As I said, also, there's a more broader strategic question around the mill. How, how best do we go forward with the mill? Do we, do we carry on with our own mill development um, or do we try and buy um, a, a mill asset or business? I think that's the, what we want to um, rub our analysis over. Uh, but the the mill planning has progressed significantly. The, the machine is fully spec'd. um, The financing is, in principle, agreed for the machine. Um, we have two sites under active consideration, both of which we think will be... Um, highly suitable for for the development, so so we're we're kind of ready to go when those more broader questions are addressed.
0: Thank you. And have you changed any investment plans because of the latest cost increases?
2: Well, I suppose Dan just mentioned the mill on a pause because of building costs. I knew
1: it. We, we we are likely to invest in another converting machine into the Leyland facility in the course of FY twenty three. Uh, there's no real change to that plan. We're still confident in the in the volume growth. We're looking at um, the customer relationships we have, the growth inherent in their own businesses as they they carry on their store our program. So there's no there's no interruption to that investment. Um, there's a there's a small um, hundreds of thousands investment in automation, which will we'll, which will pay back very rapidly in the savings and efficiencies it delivers. That that will carry on with that as well. So there's been no no change other than. Um, a postponement of the milk
0: tremendous thank you very much indeed and that's the end of questions so um thank you very much indeed dan do you have any closing remarks
1: um, i mean no just really to thank, i think and covered it all there, tamsin so uh just to thank everyone for their interest and continued support we you know, to, to echo the, the messaging of the meeting we're disappointed to have missed but we're highly confident we can get the business back onto it significant profit recovery uh, and the usual trajectory of growth that we saw um, as we went into FY20.
0: PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.